Alright, don't be surprised if I bring something new on y'all next week in a song. I'm just warning you a week ahead to be mentally prepared. That's right. I know change is uncomfortable sometimes. But change is good. Right? What the devil? All right. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning so thankful that we can gather <coughs> together as God's family, Lord, and, and just be together and worship you together. Father, we just ask that you would just anoint this service, that you would just personally show up and be involved, Lord, and just minister to each and every one of us. Lord, open our ears that we may hear and our eyes that we may see and reveal yourself to us this morning in your word. These things I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn with me this morning to Philippians chapter 4. We're, we won't finish our Philippians tour this morning, but uh, we will get close. Uh, we will be in it again next week. But Philippians chapter 4. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through verse 9 this morning. And uh, let me remind you, before I get started, because I forgot earlier, next week is the fish fry after church. Well, service will be normal, normal time, and then when we finish service, we'll go out and fellowship and have fish. So uh, make sure you come hungry and uh, turn me up some, please. I guess I'm not loud enough. Uh, anyway, let, uh, next week's the fish fish fry, so after we get done with, with normal service, we'll go out and cook and fellowship and have fish. Is that better? Is that, can you, David, you, can you hear me, David? Okay. All right, Philippians chapter 4, 1 through 9. Therefore, my beloved and long-far brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. I implore you, Dea, and I implore Sinchi, to be of the same mind in the Lord. And I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are good of, of, are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Now, I, we've talked... And as we went into this, this study of Philippians, we talked, one of the things that I talked to you about and, and pointed out that would rob you of your joy is worry. 
And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Worry. The Greek word for anxious, okay? The Greek word for anxious means to be pulled in different directions. Now, when you think about times when you're worried, isn't that exactly what's taking place? You're being pulled in different directions by different things, right? So, worry is wrong thinking. It's wrong thinking. And it's wrong feeling. It's wrong thinking and wrong feeling about people, circumstances, or things. Now, I don't know about you, but it's easy for me. I'm a worrier. I mean, mother will tell you growing up, I was king worrier. I worried about anything that didn't need to be worried about, but I worried about it. So worry was has always or up until recent years has been an issue in my life. And when, when you study the Word of God and, you, and, and we put these principles in, into, into context, it is exactly correct. It, 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 is, it, it is the absolute wrong thinking and wrong feeling about people, circumstances, or things. And it also is a testament of how strong your faith is in God. Now, I'm sorry to drop that one on you, but it just is. Ye of, of little faith will have a lot of worry. And I can speak from experience. So, worry is one of the greatest thieves of our joy. If we allow it to be. So we're going to see here this morning as we go through these points about how to deal with worry in our lives. We're going to see the things that we can do and we can practice and we can exercise in our life, biblical things to, to, to have control and, and, and have conquer that joy, I mean conquer that worry that may creep up in our life. Worry is an inside job. Worry is an inside job. And it takes more than good intentions get victory over it. Amen? Alright. So, the first thing I want to talk about this morning is worry. The, the antidote for worry is to have a secure mind. Now, probably none of you out there have trouble with your mind. It's probably just me. But, <clears throat> I don't know about you, but as circumstances creep up in our life, or in my life, or, or I meet people that I don't necessarily have a good feeling about. Or, or there's things in my life that, 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 that pop up, but my mind starts to race. And it doesn't start to race toward the Bible. Does yours? My mind starts to take control. My fleshly mind. And it immediately, I mean, immediately, when, when, when a set of circumstances pops up in my life, my mind starts to go in overdrive. And, and as that starts going, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and the circumstances get bigger and bigger and bigger. And I find that when that takes place, none of what's going on in my mind 
is 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 in the right direction. It it wants to lend to my old fleshly nature. So so I have to to get control of it immediately. I don't talk to myself often, but I do sometimes in these circumstances. And and I have to bring myself back into reality and say, listen, dummy, get a hold of yourself. Go to the Word of God. Get in prayer. Get your mind right so that you can deal with this set of circumstances that's ahead of you in the way that God would have you deal with them. You can't handle them yourself. I'm talking to myself. You can't handle them yourself. You can't control them yourself. And you can't get through them by yourself. I have to have that reality check with myself. But, but the key to the whole thing is having a secure mind. A secure mind in God. Okay? So, if we are to conquer worry and experience the secure mind, we must meet the conditions that God has laid out and established for us in His Word. And here's what the three, the three principles this morning I want, I want to talk to you about, about having a secure mind. Number one, right praying. Right thinking and right living. Now think about that for a minute. Right praying... Right thinking and right living. I'm sure none of y'all get any any one of those three messed up. But I do. From time to time. So, three components of right praying. As we see and look, Paul uses three words to describe right praying here. He uses prayer, which is a, a general, a general word, making your request known to God. Okay, prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving. Right praying involves all three. Now, I we have we have talked before about about prayer, and and it is absolutely absolutely important that that we understand that there are things that we need when we pray that we should do okay we must we must have adoration supplication and appreciation adoration Acknowledge the majesty and supremeness of God. His sovereignty. To me, it's a form, it's just a form of worship. Adoration. The second thing is supplication. Sharing with him our needs. And the third appreciation, thanking him for the blessings. That he has bestowed on us and, and given to us. So, look with me at Matthew 7, 7 through 11. Matthew 7, 7 through 11. Matthew 7 says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek 
and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. Or what man is there among you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask for him? Now let me ask you something. I, I'm one who, I, I've always felt deficient in my prayer life. I always have, have felt very deficient in my prayer life. Number one, I don't think I do it enough. I don't think you can do it enough. Number two, I think my prayers are weak. And, and, and number three, I just don't do a good job of it. There is so much for us as children of God to get through prayer. It's our means of communication with Him. It is a means of worshiping Him. It is a means of giving thanks to Him, just like those three points up there. It's a means of sharing our needs with Him. And if we don't, if we don't spend quality time in prayer, what do we expect to get back? Right? Prayer is our lifeline. Prayer is, is, is our AT&T. We are not given any restrictions in, in the Word of God about when or where we can pray, are we? But think about in our daily lives how little, of, how little time, and I'm, I can only speak for me, we, how little time we spend in prayer, in communication with the Father. That, that, it's critical. It's critical. And if we're going to subdue the worry in our life, if we're going to overcome the worry in our life, and we're going to and we're going to tap in and, and be be able to experience that joy, he tells us, and what we'll get to in a little bit, that the peace that he guards our minds with, it comes through a, a main portion of it comes through prayer and right prayer. But he says here, we should have adoration. We, we, should, we should see the majesty and the sovereignty of God and acknowledge that. Then, then we should have supplication. We should share with Him our needs. He says, ask and it shall be given. Doesn't he? Didn't I just read that? He said, for everyone who asks receives. Now, that receiving is probably not going to come in the way you and I think it ought to come, huh? But he says, if you ask, you shall receive. And he who, who seeks, finds. Well, I'm going to tell you something. Part of seeking is praying. A big part of seeking is, is being in prayer. And then he says, appreciation. Giving thanks. A, giving thanks to God. Colossians 3.15 says this. Colossians 3.15 And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you were called in one body and be thankful. Give thanks now. That's what we're talking about. Let the word of Christ in 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, 
teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Do you realize that we have so much to be thankful for? You say, well, I've had a rough life, preacher. Wasn't as rough as Jesus' life. If, if you've been redeemed and saved through grace, that's enough to be thankful for. Amen. I don't care about what circumstances you got in your life. I don't care about what people you don't like. I don't, think, think, I don't care about what things hinder you. If you have been saved by grace through the blood of Jesus on Calvary, you've got enough at that point to be thankful for forevermore. We're very selfish people, aren't we? Our own nature's selfish. We want more. We deserve more. Oh, we don't deserve anything but death. But in the midst of circumstances that are, that are what we think are treacherous at the time, are we thankful? Because we should be. Are we truly thankful? Do we have a thankful attitude in our heart for the place that, that we are at in our walk with God, for the place that He's got us in our walk and the things that He's doing in our life, even though they may be hard? Do we have a thankful attitude? I can tell you, sometimes we don't. Sometimes we pray our little prayer and we say, Thank you, Lord. But we, we don't really mean it. We just say it. Because that's what we're supposed to say. We think. But, but truly having a thankful attitude. There's so much to be thankful for. Outside of the, 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 the temporary circumstances that we're in at the time. There's things to be thankful for inside the temporary th circumstances that we're in at the time. No matter what they are. Because, because, he's, because He's really living and working inside you. Because there's really a, a, a companion that's, that's living inside of you, the Holy Spirit, that, that's walking with you and comforting you through those circumstances. A true thankful attitude. The next thing is right thinking. Right thinking. Isaiah 26.3 says this. You will keep him in perfect peace. Listen. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. You want to have peace in your life and no worry? Where does it say your mind should be? Your mind should be stayed on God. Boy, I think about myself through circumstances. First place my mind does when I get in a set of circumstances is leave God. First place my mind does is leave the, leave the Scripture. 
But it says if you want perfect peace, your mind should be stayed on God. How do we apply that? When things creep up and, 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 and come up in our life, instead of trying to get busy as soon as they come up and do something, we ought to go get on our knees in prayer. We ought to go get in the Word of God and be patient. We, we ought to immediately start really turning our ears on in our heart and listening to the Holy Spirit. Father, what are you doing here? What are you wanting me to see here? What are you wanting to teach me here? What am I supposed to get out of this? And, and, and be focused on Him. But, but that's not what happens, is it? When circumstances or something comes up in our life, we try to get busy fixing it. And we forget about all this. Well, well I'll pray about it after a while. We get it backwards, don't we? But he says here, he said, if you want peace and worry and all these things, keep your mind stayed on Him. Be focused on Him. Wrong thinking leads to wrong feeling. Amen? And before you know it, the heart and mind are divided and worry sets in. Think about that for a minute. Isn't that exactly what takes place? It just gets all jumbled up. And because we can't make sense of it, then we start to worry. Because we can't figure out what the end's going to be, we really get worried. Whether it's finances or health or whatever the case may be. We, we, our own mind, it just starts working overtime. And, and, and then we just, we, we, get, we look like a frantic little bumblebee. Just pew, 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 or a fly. I like to make a fly. You know, flies everywhere. Can't make up its mind where it wants to land. Except when I'm in the room. And it wants to land on me. Look with me at 2 Corinthians 10. Second Corinthians 10 verse 4 says this, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exists itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. We must bring our thoughts into captivity To the obedience of Christ. When we do that, then we can have control over worry in our life. We must learn. We must practice. Let me tell you something. This is an exercise. It's difficult. But, but good news is, as you learn to do it, the better you get at it. And it takes a very, very distinct effort to bring your thoughts into captivity. Amen? Because that's not natural for us. It's not natural for us. 
And, and one of the greatest places that Satan likes to operate is in your thoughts. Oh, he lo that's a playground. Oh, that's a playground. But we must bring our thoughts into captivity. And we can only bring our thoughts into captivity through prayer and focusing on the things of God. Quit focusing on the things of this world or quit focusing on your circumstances. Let God lead you through your circumstances. Be stayed on Him. Wrong thinking leads to wrong feeling. Man, when you're worried, don't you feel awful? Doesn't it get your heart rate up? Doesn't it just put a knot in your stomach? I can remember I can remember as a kid, one of the <coughs> I told you I was a worrier. I mean about everything. I'm gonna tell you. But we would go to my grandparents' house. And all the cousins would want to spend the night. And while it was daylight, I wanted to spend the night. Well, it, it, it was, yeah, it was, sounds so, like so much fun. I'd want to spend the night. And of course, Granny, it was always open door to spend the night. And the cousins would be like, yeah, come on, Scott, let's spend the night. Okay, we'll spend the night. Well, bedtime came and I laid down on the pillow. When I laid down on the pillow, we weren't talking anymore. Just my mind was running. My mind was running. Now, Mama and Daddy had never left me anywhere. They had never forgotten about me. But my mind was, was running so wild and so crazy, I, I had it in my mind that if if I didn't get home, they were going to forget about me. They were going to leave me at my grandmother. Now, my grandmother, had they have left me at, my, at grandmother's house, she'd have taken very good care of me. I, I mean, it wouldn't have been bad. But I would get so worked up that I would get sick, literally physically sick. And every single time, I would finally get the unction up enough to go into Granny's room and say, I want to go home. Usually about 10 or 11 o'clock at night. And every single time they would get up and drive to Fairfield and meet them, mother and daddy. But my mind had created this mess. And I believed what was in my mind. I, could, I didn't have my thoughts Subdued. Of course, I was a kid. Same thing. They were big on taking kids, all the grandkids camping. A week, every summer, they'd take us somewhere camping. Oh, it's so much fun during the daytime. <laughs> the moment it got time to come to bed, what happened? My old mind, my little mind started racing and working. Because I didn't know how to bring my thoughts into captivity. And, and until I got saved, and until God started doing a work inside of me, I didn't know how to bring my thoughts into captivity. I worried for 
many years of my life about lots of things. And it took a real hard set of circumstances with a job for God to show me how to bring my thoughts into, into captivity. And let me tell you, when he taught me how to bring my thoughts into captivity and get control of my mind, I got peace. I got peace. Complete peace. When, 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 he com when he completely got through to me that he is 100% sovereign and in control, and that I didn't have anything to worry about other than to be obedient and responsible to where he had me, I got peace. I got peace. So, so the turmoil and, and the wrong feeling that wrong thinking can, can, can bring up and, and, and dwell inside of you is miserable. You can be a miserable person when worry is set in in your life. I'm telling you, it has horrible physical effects on you. Horrible. But wrong thinking leads to wrong feeling. And before you know it, the heart and mind are divided and the worry will set in. The believer must major on the high and noble thoughts. We must focus on high and noble thoughts. What is that? Thoughts Godly things. Godly things. Not the base thoughts and the lowly thoughts of the things of this world. That's how we get right thinking. Next thing is right living. Right living. You can't separate outward action with inward attitude. Think about that for a minute. You can't separate outward action with inward attitude. If your inward attitude is not correct and in the right place, your outward actions are going to be wrong. Your outward actions are going to be wrong. If your heart is not in a place, if you, if you don't, if, if 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 you're not, if if you're not right on the inside, you're not going to do the right things on the outside. You can't. It's so critical that, that we maintain the attitudes that are in here. That we, we constantly check where we're at in our standing with God. Are we being obedient to where He's got us in our walk? Are we being responsible to the things that He's shown us and taught us? Are we living where, obediently to where we're supposed to be? Because if we're not, there's going to be a reflection of it on the outside. Simple as that. Sin always results in unrest. And purity are to result in peace. Think about that for a minute. Isn't it true? When sin creeps up in our life, as a, 
it doesn't it, it doesn't mix mix well with a, with a saved being, does it? So there's unrest. Sometimes there's loss of sleep. And before you know it, we just feel blah. And we know what the issue is. You don't have sin in your life that you don't know that's going on. You don't. Because the Holy Spirit has been promised and sent to us to live inside of us and speak to us about those things. And if we remain in tune to Him and responsible and listening to Him as, as He lives inside of us, there's no way that you can have sin in your life and not know that, it, that, that it's there. Now I know, as well as anybody, that doesn't mean we always repent immediately and get right, does it? Oh, sometimes we just, we're old hard heads. We're like a brimmer cow. We run from the fence and try to jump to go to the corral and get in and get, get right. But, but with sin in your life, there's unrest. And when unrest comes in your life, then worry can come in. But when purity is in your life, you get peace. Isaiah 32.17 says this, The work of righteousness will be peace. And the effect of righteousness, quietness, and assurance forever. Oh, that's good stuff, isn't it? The work of righteousness will be peace. And the effect of righteousness will be quietness and assurance forever. Well, isn't that where you want to live? Isn't that where you want to live? In peace and assurance forever? That's where I want to stay. Right living is a necessary condition for experiencing the peace of God. If you want to experience the peace of God, you've got to get your life right and live right. Period. That means when we stumble and, and we make a mistake, we are to repent immediately and we get peace back. Isn't that how it works? How many, time, how, how many times in your life... That, when you finally realize what the sin in your life is and you repent, what happens immediately? Peace. Peace. If we are walking with the Lord, then the peace of God and the God of peace exercise their influence over our heart. If we are in right relationship with God, the peace of God and the God of peace exercise. He's able to exercise that continuously in our life. And, and it's peace. Nothing to worry about. Because you understand that God is completely in control. And, and you have peace because you're in right standing with Him in your walk. And if you're in right standing with Him in your walk, you know without a shadow of a doubt, the end's going to be good. Whatever it is. Whatever it is. I want to read one more passage to you before I close. Matthew 6. 
None. That, it's not one that none of you know. Have, have don't know. Everybody in here knows it and read it a thousand times. But fits very well right here. Matthew six, ten verses twenty four through thirty four. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and body, more than food and body, more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor, their, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all things. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. What do we have to worry about? What do we have to worry about? Worry in our life is sin. Worry in our life is sin. Goes back to pride. Because if we have worry in our life, we, are, we haven't completely come to an understanding that, that God is completely in control and will meet all of our needs. Instead, if we have worry in our life, we think we've got some control. We think we've got to make our own way. We think that we've got to get ourselves out of these predicaments that we're in. When the reality is, we need to repent of whatever it is in our life that's messed up and be obedient and follow Jesus. And let him lead, guide, and direct us. Worry. Worry. With the peace of God to ground us and the God of peace to guide us, why should we worry? God is peace. In God, the child of, of, of God can find his peace. And that's the only place. That's the only place. And I want you to know this morning, it's a hard lesson to learn, learning that. For some folks like me. Because I was a product of worry my whole life. And the, and, and the set of circumstances that I was in 
when God finally broke this old hard head open and, 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 and got through, I was just about physically really sick. And the moment, the moment that that understanding came to me, I was healed. Healed. Completely healed. And by God's grace, and I thank Him every day that I don't have to learn that lesson again. Because I understand, completely understand, that my lifeline is completely and solely focused on Jesus. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the examples in Scripture that you give us to get us through our day-to-day -day walk. We thank you that we don't have to worry and we don't have to have worry in our life. Lord, we thank you that you've made provisions for us to have peace. True peace. The only peace that ever exists is inside you and living inside you. Father, we just ask that you would continue to go with us, bless us, lead us, guide us, and direct us. We lift up each and every one of our prayer requests here this morning and ask that you would just, in their circumstances, Lord, draw them closer and nearer to you. That they might have peace. That they may not have that worry, but they might find peace in you in their circumstances. These things we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen.